All right, everybody, welcome to PWZ. This is Rick Del Santo. Thank you for joining us. I have a very special guest that has not been here in over a year. Last time we, you were here, it was for WrestleMania 36. We talked about that, and I was just kind of getting traction with the show, and now you're back. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. One of my oldest friends for the last 30 years, John, how are you? Hey, how you doing, Rick? It's good being here again talking to you. Well, I'm glad to have you back and uh, talking to wrestling. I mean, we've been wrestling buddies for the last 30, well, not wrestling buddies, not like, I think know. since, uh, well, actually, I want to tell people, the first time I met you, we were working, and you saw I was wearing a minor threat shirt, and you're like, yes. oh, I like minor, do you remember that? Then we started talking. Well, right. Do you remember the that? Two then we started talking, together. and we both, yes, and you're like, talking about wrestling, and Yep. Rick was amazed. I'm one of the only people he knew that watched something in Connecticut other than WWF. That was unheard yes. of. Not just watch it, actually followed it. Yes, that was, uh, I, I think, one of the things that we had in common. I don't think at first we really talked much AWA, but we definitely talked 80s NWA a ton. And then we, you know, gradually got into talking AWA and world class and such. And so. then with AWA, then I showed Rick, I said, oh, Rick, I still have all my AWA action figures from when I was a kid. And I showed it to him. That was like, amazing. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> I remember because I never owned, I never owned those uh, figures. I mean, I had a few, but um, I never got hardcore into collecting it. And I think I actually took your old ring, I believe it or not, when probably, uh, many probably. years ago. Yeah, and I ended up repairing it, but now I wish I still had that because, you know, it goes for quite a bit of money. <laughs> so let me ask you, how did, considering that we are in Connecticut, not in the Midwest, uh, how did you discover the AWA? I just, I think I just flipped around and saw it on ESPN one night. I remember the, fir the first memory I had was seeing Sergeant Slaughter on there, okay. and I like, couldn't believe, like, oh, wow, he, this just to watch. I remember when I was a kid, the, the big deal at the time. I mean, he was big in the WWF, you mm -hmm. know, growing up. And the big deal when I was a kid was uh, Sergeant Slaughter versus Iron Sheik in the boot camp match. And then right. just, yeah. do you remember that? And then just like he just kind of like disappeared. I kind of didn't know what happened after a while. And then I'm like, oh, I was all excited. I saw him again. And then he did that whole deal with. Uh, Hasbro and uh, G.I. Joe, mm -hmm. things like that. So that that's the first time I ever saw it. So that was in 85 then, probably, you know, in that time period, the first time I saw, uh, you know, the yeah. That's about when I actually discovered professional wrestling, maybe a year before that, because I remember living in Brantford, and we lived in a two-family house, and I think, geez, I don't think I discovered anything outside of WWF for like another two years. But I remember the first thing I discovered, my cousin was watching it, because we had a two-family house, and he lived on the second floor, we lived on the first, and Roddy Piper was on. And I don't even know, I think one day, when I came home, I discovered World Class, and there was some sort of relationship between World Class and the AWA, where there was intermingling of talent, and so... It, it, they were both on ESPN, AWA and World Class. So that's eventually how I got into it. And uh, it was just like this whole other world between reading yeah. magazines and, and uh, you know, there, there was these wrestlers that I read about and like PWI and Wrestling World and all these other things that were not on my uh, WWF TV on Saturday morning. So it was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, because I think World Class, I think they started originally going on in like 1986. 
And mm-hmm. then years later, whatever, in like 88 or whatever, whenever they demise, or even before that, maybe they started playing all the old episodes, right? The classics. Yeah, the, on the, the ESPN, Legends. Like of... I remember after school, I'd come yep. home, they play all the old. Oh, I rushed home, and I made sure that I wasn't doing my homework until after World Class. It was the Legends of World Class Championship Wrestling yeah. at 4 o'clock every day. Yep. Yeah. So, the, yeah, so this yep. is, yeah, so when I first started, Watching AWA also right after they had roller roller derby right after on ESPN. I never knew roller derby existed until I saw that. And then at one point they had PKA karate uh, kickboxing. I don't know if you ever saw that professional karate association. Yeah, so that was another. (laughs) So they had to have you know something a tie in that was like a similar combat sport thing on ESPN. You know when they had uh, AWA. It's similar. It's funny that you said that because it's similar to like when Sports Channel would always run the Feet Fist and Fury with Herb Abrams UWF. And they ran. <laughs> it's yeah, funny. They have to have it. They have to keep had, watching, you know. So they have to have yeah, something similar. Yeah, they have boxing, and then they had the kickboxing as well later on. I always, I kind of enjoyed the kickboxing, but it was kind of a different sport at that time period. They were still wearing knee pads or like uh, shin guards and stuff like that, and the headgears. Yeah, they're wearing, the, yeah, they're wearing like. The yeah, the, the pads on both yeah, like the like the, the gloves right. were normal boxing gloves are like smaller, much smaller, yep. and then they have the pads yeah, like the shin guards or whatever yeah, it's funny. I haven't thought about that in years. I'm sure we could find a lot of that on YouTube. It was always fun to come across <laughs> and that glow and all that other weird stuff oh, that yeah. we watched. So we are going to be talking about excuse me an AWA program, a classic AWA program because um. I don't know. It's been something I've been really into lately. Uh, I don't know why. It's like I'm rediscovering a lot of those older uh, um, AWA videos, basically, on YouTube. And the funny part is sometimes I go back and watch these stuff from 1989 and 1990, the stuff that is basically put the company out of business. Um, and some of it's like they didn't even have a live crowd in attendance for that. They just ended up doing it in an empty studio, especially towards the uh, last few episodes. You can see a young Jerry Lynn in some of those episodes and some Did other guys. You when, when we met Jerry Lynn and I brought up, say, oh, I remember you in AWA. And he like didn't even want to talk about that, like almost like he was like embarrassed. But he just he didn't mind talk about the GWF stuff. But when I brought up AWA, it's like he wanted to change the subject. Like, <laughs> probably didn't get paid. Fern probably didn't yeah. pay him for TV. They didn't pay uh, the the uh, enhancement talent at that time. Yeah. You know, maybe you know they were lucky to get exposure, and they were on ESPN. So, all right. So we're going to be talking about AWA program from September third, nineteen eighty five. Now they got these. This intro is classic. This is the one that was like on ESPN and Championship Wrestling. The uh, music and the. Um, I didn't know that they used it that early back. Two guys wrestling, yeah, the red, white, and blue, and then they go inside the ring. AWA Championship Wrestling. The AWA presents the greatest stars in professional wrestling, bringing you the best in mat action. It's like yeah. the best graphic they actually have, and the rest looks like it's made like public access, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs> everything else. 
Well, I think that um, McMahon was doing stuff way ahead of his time, you know, at that time period as far as graphic graphics go. And AWA, like you said, it was just very simple public access type things, just like generic lettering right across the screen. So um, it was kind of enjoyable, kind of funny to watch uh, some of this stuff. But the graphics were really enjoyable. And then Lee Marsh, not Lee Marshall, uh, Larry Nelson's voice over it describing uh, – that you're watching the major league of professional wrestling, and this is like you're going to see the best. Some in people match. don't like him. I like. I don't know what yours is. I like him. I always liked him. No, I thought he was great, and um, I don't think he did anything else wrestling related after the AWA. Um, I know he did. The, he apparently he was the original voice for Tony the Tiger. I found that out. I don't know. Is he or is it uh, Lee Marshall? Was right? Was, was it Larry? Marshall? Somebody told right. me. Or maybe it was Lee Marshall. I don't yeah, know. actually, now yeah, it makes more sense knowing Lee Marshall's voice. Now that it makes. Sense. I don't know if they had G Tony the Tigers working for the company, right? <laughs> no, it wouldn't. But it might. Well, Lee Marshall makes more sense knowing his voice. So, but he and Lee Marshall. And I know you hate. Well, you can always Marshall. tell us. I I used to hate Lee Marshall big time. I used to have to leave the room. But then that's like over time. I kind of got used to him being like, well, he's better than uh, I don't know. Any anybody any Michael Cole for crying out loud anybody that's on TV today, and that's not saying much because there's not a lot of really good talented commentators today. Yeah. The other thing about Larry Nelson, uh, I remember when he passed away. I was reading like Meltzer wrote about him whenever that was. How many years ago? It's been some time now, right? It's been at least ten. I don't think it's yeah. you know around there because I, I I did find an interview from not that long ago. So it's been in the last 10 years, I believe. But the thing I found really fascinating was he was saying people would see him even when he's not working. And no matter where he went, if he went to some other event or the grocery store, he'd still wear his AWA jacket at all times. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he wanted to be recognized. I don't know. I, I just thought that was pretty was crazy. just old and crazy? He was <laughs> at a basketball game sitting there just wearing his AWA jacket. That's funny. That sounds like something I would do. But... Yeah. <laughs> Um, what else was I going to say? I didn't know anything that he did outside of uh, AWA, except for like a maybe a year or so after the AWA went out of business, he was commentating an arm wrestling contest on ESPN oh. randomly one day. So, and then oh. then uh, that was the last time I ever heard about him. Yeah. So we open up here with Lee. Mar oh, geez, I'm getting them too confused. Sorry, Larry Nelson interviewing Nick Bockwinkle. And uh, they're going to talk about, um, later in the show, they're showing Vern Gagne's, I think this is his first retirement match. How many, yeah, how many retirement, retirement matches is he? Yeah, this is what, 1983, this retirement match, correct? And then he, yes. I guess he comes back again oh, later. It was, 1980, it was 1981, and then I think he returned in 1983, oh. if I remember correctly. In, in wrestling, I, I actually looked actually this up. Tired, right? that's, that's why it gets confusing. No, not until you die or your business goes out of business, so... So we started off with, oh man, this is going to be rough talking about this guy. Buck Rock and Roll Zumhoff against uh, yeah. Jim no, Londis. This has, this has to be a rib. Jim Londis is like a famous Greek wrestler, like one of the biggest draws ever in professional wrestling. Right. And they have a jobber named Jim Londis. I'm wondering, like, does Vern like have any heat with the real Jim Londis? Like, what what is the story? Like, did, right? The guy died in 1975. I, I actually looked I him up. Today. <laughs> right. So I mean, he's just, he's like, you have a joke, right? It has to be. 
It had to be because I, I mean, when I heard him say Jim Londis, my I went, huh? I was like, there's no way. And it was just like, and the guy looks like he's about 25 years old at the most. Yeah. So I had to look him up, and oh. it's definitely not him. I didn't realize it was like, you know, the famous Greek wrestler from the turn of the, you yeah. know, at that time period. And so it has to be a joke. And it's, um, I have to say that this actually was quite an enjoyable match. It was actually kind of, I didn't realize that, you know, as much as we make fun of Buck Zumhoff because of his personal issues and him being so damn corny, um, he was actually quite the pretty good technical wrestler in this match, I thought, against Jim Londis, this this young yeah, guy. He wasn't bad, and he's a guy, I mean, there's another thing, when I first started talking to you years ago about wrestling, I'd bring up Buck Zuboff just because I thought he was hilarious all the time, do you remember? And then one time I was like, oh, Rick, you gotta watch, like, Superstars, he's a jobber now, uh, do you remember that? I thought it was yeah, but you one know of the, the funny the, one of the some in like the early it was 90s. Like superstars. I remember yeah, because it, it wasn't there's a lot of guys that ended up in there as well. Like yeah. um Bill Irwin ended up in there too as a job as a jobber. Um I think he was the goon, but I think he actually was Bill Irwin at one point in there as well. Yeah, I got excited seeing Buck Zoom off again. But yeah, if you want to look up what Buck did in his personal life. We don't want to discuss it yet, but that's uh, yeah. It's uh, we're not. We're just gonna focus on the, the wrestling and uh, not nothing else, right? We might talk shit on this show, but we're not talking about this shit. Like this is just, yeah. Um. <laughs> the whole, so the whole gimmick is hysterical. Where has a boombox. And the whole Elvis jumpsuit. The whole Elvis outfit. Yeah, but he comes out playing Bob Seger wearing like the seventies jumps Elvis jumpsuit, and he keeps saying that uh, he's dedicating his match to all the rock and rollers, and he's going to be a rock and roller, and all this other stuff. I'm like, this is just—it's so over the top and corny. And um, now, commentating Nick Bockwinkle's commentating and Doug McLeod. Now, if you like, haven't really done—he hasn't really done too much. Or, you know, he's done like stuff. I think in the Minneapolis area. I think that's why they got him actually, but he doesn't really have much wrestling knowledge, you know, just like, you know, sports broadcasting knowledge. Right. I don't really remember much about him. The, the name, name seems somewhat familiar, but I don't really remember a whole lot. Uh, and especially this time. Mike Capetta, the ring announcer, legendary. The legendary. Announcer. The world's so most dangerous announcer. In this one episode, right? I mean, yeah. It is. It definitely is. Because I think, um, did Gary Capetta, he started in the WWF, or did he do anywhere before that? Maybe, because I think he's from the East Coast, right? Yeah. So, yeah, for the most time, yeah. he's worked everywhere. I mean, literally every big yes. promotion, right? I mean, at the time. I'm going to tell you the uh, the time that he um, gave me a dirty look. Ever tell you that? Stole his seat, yes. I stole his seat at a Ring of Honor show. He was pissed at me. He he gave me the nastiest look, and I was like, oh. Gary Michael Capetta. And it was in uh, Larry Nelson. Oh, I got it right there. Rick's favorite oh. referees working, too. Dick Worley. Dick Worley, that's right. He is heavily featured in this episode, and I was very excited. I don't know. I did some previews on uh, Instagram today. Did a bunch of screenshots, and Dick Worley, I... Uh, Put a nice picture of him up. He looks like he's falling yeah. asleep half the time. First referee to ever get an action figure made of him, right? So that that's a pretty big deal. That's yeah, yep, yeah, the AWA figure. Yeah. So on top of that, Larry Nelson is backstage interviewing everybody, and he does a 
this Larry's Abisco. Larry's Abisco is normally really good at interviews, and this one is just they're advertising for um, was his Abisco's corner or in this corner? Yeah, in the show. And Buck Zumoff comes out, doesn't he? Have his uh, the radio blaring too with uh, old time rock and roll, and he scares the shit out of Larry Nelson. Did you see that? <laughs> He's just it was really funny, but he's got it blasting into Larry Nelson's microphone the whole time as they're, he's trying to talk to him. He's talking about how he's going to come out and go after uh, Mr. Oh, Electricity, Steve Regal, and, and take his junior heavyweight title. That's the quote to Steve Regal. It was so bizarre sounding. Like, and he just—he was like, uh, "How much coke did he do before this interview?" Because <laughs> he was like, really. Today, I mean, you're paying attention to him talking. Right. Unlike today, when there's right, if you put raw, I'm falling asleep with these promos. Is a weekly feature right now. Right. The right Next week, right here on ENSP, you're going to see the match that I've been waiting for for a long time, baby. And that's you, Steve Regal. That's who it's going to be. You know, Steve Regal stole that title away from me two years ago. And I've been chasing him all over the world, baby. And it's coming down next week, right here. You, Steve Regal, and that rock and roll, everybody. Take that, that. Take that buckle, baby, and polish it up, sign it up, because all the rock and rollers stand behind me here, baby. We're gonna take that belt home, brother, and you can you can make a bet on that, right here. You bet, you bet. Go get him, rock and roller. You know, I was talking about that earlier. It's like I really, I think yesterday, I can't make it through a good like usually i decide if i try to put on raw i used to always at least attempt to watch raw and in that first 10 minutes i would decide whether i want to keep it on or not and i can't <laughs> like it's usually this like because you know they always not to get too far away from this but i'm just gonna say it's like you're paying attention to buck zoom off it's a nice two minute promo basically with raw there's always a wrestler that comes out right off the rip and it's a 20 minute promo and a setup for like the main event or yeah, something. Yeah. Yes. And the thing with this is it's set up like it's a sporting event and the fact that it's like the, um, what was I going to say? Like the promoters are in control of, who meets who there's not just some wrestler that comes out and says i want to match with you tonight and they're like oh okay and then uh, that's something that's happened some from like 99 98 99 with the attitude era any wrestler can say they want to match and then they're on the fucking show and it's just aggravating just like this was treated like way different it's prevented and it's presented in a real like uh you know a professional wrestling sports type uh setting yeah, and it's just, I don't know if you feel this way too, when you watch it, you just pay more attention when you have like yes. uh, like a backstage segment, a promo, as opposed to the ring, like, you just right. you can focus on it more, you're kind of like distracted by the crowd, or, you know what I'm saying, it's just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's another thing, and there's noise, this is just, there's no noise, and all you hear is the wrestler, and, and you know, and the, the interviewer, and that's it, you know. Except for old time rock and roll, you can hear that as yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> you can't focus. Yeah. <laughs> I think we went to a commercial break, right? Right from here. Did you notice that uh, one of the commercials was uh, they were advertising the slaughter and the LOD shirts? 
Oh, and they're from Connecticut, and that's yes. the other thing. From I was Connecticut. Like, I was like, oh, they're in WF territory. All the time at this one store in North Haven, Connecticut, right. they sell metal shirts, and I used to look at it like, ah, I want to get that one day, and I, I never got it. Right. There used to be a place in the mall that used to sell that kind of stuff. Like, uh, they used to do like iron ons to shirts and stuff like that. And you'd get some really weird metal shirts and you could find rent like a Sergeant Slaughter. And I remember I got a Ricky Steamboat shirt, probably like, uh, there was like a picture. Do you remember when the A team and there was like a group of wrestlers that helped them out or something like that? I ended up getting that picture on like a, uh, on like a, yeah, but it obviously didn't last too long. So what else you got here? This is Jimmy Garvin. Uh, he comes out in his green sequin outfit. <laughs> with, with precious. Nobody does that anymore. Nobody comes no. out dressed like that anymore. Sharp dressed man, right? Well, that's the other thing. I noticed this. The Fantastics were also using this at the same time, weren't they? I, don't know. I think possibly, yeah. Because they yeah. were, I mean, he worked world class, I think, around the same time period. I think, was that where he was? Because they kept claiming that he was suspended. Is this during his uh, world I, class? That's phase? a good question. I'm not sure. Because he was using that, and then I believe that they were also in there at that same time. Yeah, so this was, and back then it was normal. There was no copyright issues. You just come out to any music, nobody cared back then. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah, that's and before they started. Manager, I don't know what you think. I always liked. I liked the gimmick of the, uh, you know, the hairspray when she'd spray it in people's eyes. Like I thought that was awesome. So my question is, yeah, it was awesome. Like she just kept spraying it out. And she was, you know, and you see Gary Michael Capetta's like, oh god, yeah, like you're, like you breathe. <laughs> my other thing with this is like. Um, People were cheering for both Jimmy Garvin and the Blue Max. If you if you uh, paid close enough think attention, think one of those like, things like Jimmy Garvin's a star. It's like right, they're confused. Like, well, he's supposed to be the babyface to Blue Max, right? And then that's what I was thinking. But he was also like usually like there's this heel masked enhancement yeah. talent. But they're both getting cheered, and and this was actually yeah. if you look at this, this was actually a pretty decent like. This, this blue max character whoever he was under that mask yeah. i tried looking it up he was actually pretty decent with he did like the yeah. flying head scissors and such yeah no he wasn't bad and yeah. this is the first time i ever saw the brain buster suplex when i was a kid i was like amazed by it when i saw jimmy garvin do it i thought it was a great move well they call it the pile driver here did yes you... <laughs> that's that's the guy the mcleod guy is saying he doesn't really have any wrestling knowledge yes he called it a pile driver yes they said that he was uh, lift him up for a suplex and turned him into a pile driver. And I was like, it's a brain buster. Yeah. And Nick, I think Nick was confused because it's a new move and he didn't know what to call it probably at the time, right? Right. Nick, Nick was pretty old at the time as well. So he's probably like, yeah, what are these crazy kids doing now? <laughs> <laughs> Nick still had a few years left, right? Didn't he retire? Yeah. Well, uh, he only retired, what, two years later? He won the belt, yeah. right? Yeah, I think he won. A, well, he won, he won at least one more time. Quarters, those infamous quarters. Actually, today's the anniversary of that match. I'm not sure if you saw on Instagram. Really? Uh, May May second, nineteen eighty seven, is when Kurt Hennig defeated Nick Bockwinkel to become AWA World Champion. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, 
he's supposed to be the baby face. Actually, that's another one. I'm not really like watching it. You can't really tell who the baby face is. And I think Hennig is actually the baby face. Zabisco yeah, sitting in the corner. Turn, right? He, uh, yeah. Right. right, because he did turn heel and he was a heel champion in there. And I thought he was actually a really good AWE champion, but he was only there for like a few more months and then before he took off the WWE because he came in like what, mid-88 in WWF? Yeah, I don't remember the time period off the top of my head. So yeah, maybe. All right. So that uh, I think that one had legendary referee Dick Worley as well. <laughs> yeah. According to my notes. And the other Excuse thing me. too, you notice, like, which doesn't happen, like, man, like the camera, like at certain times, focuses on Precious, and she's like yelling at the camera. Right. Which is like you don't something you don't see nowadays, right? I mean nowadays like when you do see managers, like when you see them in AEW, they just stand there and they're like useless. Right? I mean like Tully Blanchard does nothing, right? Arn Anderson does nothing. The, manager, stand there. the the art of the manager is dead at this point, it seems like, because Arn Anderson will stand there, but he's got that white piece of paper. That's like his gimmick. He's covering his mouth. And it's just like because so he doesn't want the heat the, the heels to see what he's uh talking yeah. about this is i get it but you know it's kind of like i, I mean not i love Arn. you know no it's not but you know Arn's my favorite wrestler of all time pretty much but, but definitely but, not your favorite manager fuji's a better manager no. than him at this point right <laughs> well fuji had the cane at least so that was broken on numerous <laughs> occasions he had so. the <laughs> and the salt that's right <laughs> I like Fuji wearing the, you know, when he had the black suit and the cane and the top hat and stuff, or the the bowler hat, whatever it's called. Yeah, not not so, the version, but the, the right. The, the nah, I didn't really. You know, at that point, yeah, at that point, I didn't really care for him much anymore. But I mean, bless him, he was able to keep, stay, you know, stay around for another few years with that. So. Yeah. So what else we have here, Johnny? Uh, what else happens now? We have uh, Ken Resnick uh, does an ad for a pro wrestling report. Yep. Which is, uh, is really cool. No more paper stuff anymore, right? If you want paper stuff, you have to get the, the Observer. Right? <laughs> you can't get a WWE or AEW report right? sent to your house. Do they even do... I was thinking about this not so long ago because you know I'm a magazine collector. I always collect older magazines. WWE does not produce any print media anymore for, as far as like a magazine. Because I know they used to do the WWF and turned into yeah, WWE. And then they yeah, I think it's not it's not profitable, so they stop. They only do like special ones for like right. WrestleMania, I think, and stuff. That's about it oh, okay. now. Yeah. Okay. I think the only wrestling magazine, uh, at least in the United States these days, is Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Still produces something like six yeah. issues a year. I'll pick that up every now and again to kind of like look through it and just, but it's like by the time I start looking through it, all that information is months old now. Like yeah, with the internet. yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, it's rough. But um, does the Observer still print paper? I, I think request it. Yeah, the, it'll still send it to your house, Dave. I know the uh, the torch actually does too, but like there's yeah. like you can't you can sign up for the site or you can sign up for the the paper edition. Yeah, the, you can't. Yeah, yep. Yeah, double dip. They have to get your money both ways, right? And I wouldn't mind, you know, but I mean, it's so easy to do everything on your phone these days. Yeah. Um, that magazine, though, the, the AWA Wrestling Report, I've never seen that before. Have, did you ever see that before? I 
I mean, I've seen I've seen that on eBay for sale a few times. I never actually bought any, but I have seen them for sale. It's okay. easier to find the programs, you know. Yes, I have like some of those uh, wrestling news issues, which is some of them are produced. It seems like every area had a uh, uh, wrestling news magazine. Like you know, I have some from the Vern Gagne's uh, wrestling news, but it's not that magazine, like the AWA magazine that we're talking about. Before we uh, move forward with the, did you know that there was actually a seventies or an NWA magazine in the seventies? I thought I heard. Um, oh, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank now. The trainer. Um, what's his name? Heartland Wrestling. Uh, Who's that? You know what I'm talking about uh, Thatcher. Did he run that, or is he behind it, Les or no? Thatcher. Okay. Um, um, yeah, that, that I'm not sh- that I'm not sure of. I I actually have seen. Where was it that I saw it? I think maybe High Spots had one up for auction during one of their virtuals, and it was um, when they had Terry Funk, perhaps. And because that's the only issue I've ever seen. And then I went on eBay and looked, and I've seen I found like a couple issues, but they're not really easy to come by. Yeah, I never actually read one, so. No, I can't imagine that they had too I mean, some of those magazines are just really wacky to, to look through because I love looking through the old uh, magazines and discovering some that uh, you discover like a lot of wrestlers that from that time period. And it's, it's funny because some of these guys that you and I grew up watching be like preliminary wrestlers, but then they're like really talking about these guys like they're tough. Like, yeah. you know, like they're like, uh, for instance, that picture I showed you the other day, Frankie Williams, who got his annihilated by. Uh, Piper back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we went with the LOD was part of uh, Larry Zabisco's In This Corner, uh, which is supposed to be his uh, no nonsense uh, talk show. Larry Zabisco's a great For that, there's another uh, backstage segment with uh, Jimmy Garvin right. and uh, in practice. That's right. You're right. Yeah. Yep. He's talking about, I, I think that he still got cheered during that because I, I, I think that this backstage area was like off to the side somewhere because you, you can still hear the crowd. Yeah, because they're at the Tropicana. I always, for whatever reason, I liked it when they filmed there. So, yeah, so it's probably like literally there's like in front of a curtain. So it's probably like right, <laughs> right, right in front right. of it, you know. Right, right. Now, is that part of, was that in New Jersey? Or was that yeah, in Atlantic, Atlantic um, City? That was, yeah. How did the AWA, because like you said before, like uh, the AWA was not necessarily an East Coast company. Were they just expanding and come out to Jersey? Jersey I, think, and I think this is possibly when they started trying to do the, the whole thing with, you know, the pro wrestling USA. Pro wrestling when they started USA. Coming, yeah. I'm assuming that's when they started doing this around okay. this time period. What year did that start? If you're, do you remember? I think 85, I think. Okay. That didn't last very long. I, I think if now this is funny that we're talking about this. This pro wrestling USA might be one of the earliest wrestling things that I've seen, like outside of WWF. Because mm-hmm. I remember, I don't know who was um, wrestling, but growing up, I went back and I was watching a video, and I just remember that setting that they had, and then the, the red, white, and blue like uh, was like the tarps that they had on the side of the ring. And I just, when I was a kid, I just could never, for years, I could not remember what the hell it was called. And then yeah, when I was back, like sometimes it, it looked like the AWA, but it didn't look like the same mm-hmm. arena, so it's kind of confusing. And that was on Channel 11 when it was, right. you know, on the East Coast. 
there was so like they use a lot of different guys. I mean, like Backlund went in there. Uh, I know Lawler didn't. It's funny because like I would watch like uh, there'd be some like Southern guys that came in and uh, others. I told you when and he a young he Tracy before he was known. Yeah, for pro right, wrestling, right. USA, which is essentially just like AWA with like a handful of guys from like NWA, right? <laughs> Basically, or or whatever. Yeah, they were trying to form a super fed, and I think that was like Crockett was involved and uh, Vern basically were like kind of like the heads of it, wasn't it? But then their their heads were clashing too much. Yeah, I don't know what the real story is. But yeah, but it didn't last very long. Yeah. All right, so you, you want to talk about the yellow D promo? What's that? You want to talk about the yellow? The yellow D promo was uh, phenomenal. Here, these guys. Are, oh, well, first they show uh, the music video. This right. the, this song is phenomenal. <laughs> Like, the lyrics, I think, are so weird. Like, they talk about, I don't know what your feelings were at this time period, but they talk about Eddie and the Cruisers, right? Okay. I listened to this about three to four times today, and trying to, what the hell is going on with the Eddie and the Cruisers line? I don't know. I don't know. Then they talk about James Dean was alive, like, I... I don't think of like the Road Warriors like a fifties type band. No, they were like uh, they looked why, like they were from like like Mad Max or something. Yeah. So like, why are you making these references? Like, is this like a this is the other thing I'm sure you've heard? Vern Gagne doesn't like doesn't like modern music, so you have to always bring up old music. Tonight, cause I'm hot, 
hear that no but, uh, i didn't yeah but i mean he was uh, old when we were a kid so what did he listen to like fucking sinatra and stuff yeah yeah just like or just like 50s like type you know uh doo-wop rockabilly yeah. stuff like that so but yeah so i wonder <laughs> if that was like a thing for all right i'll let you do it but you can't it can't be too crazy you gotta <laughs> i mean he raps and wrestle rock though he Doesn't does he? yeah yeah <laughs> That was good, but yeah, yeah. So this video is definitely great. Uh, this this music video, and then the interview, right? You like the interview with um. That was just really bizarre. Like the whole interview, it's like Paul Ellering is such a strange character. Like as a manager, yeah. like he always just he never was calm. He always just seemed to yell all the time, but like in this really weird voice. You know, it's just, just and then they're just paper on the floor while they're talking. Yes. And Larry, like Rick, Rick is like the only little person I've ever met that loves Larry Zabisco like I do. Like nobody else likes Larry, <laughs> except for Rick. Everybody right? laughs at Larry. I think he's, yeah, everybody laughs at Larry. I think the guy was great. I mean, the Zabisco stall is one of I, the greatest I, things in professional. Oh, it was. Yeah, because it, it, it Makes the crowd the insane because he crazy. sits there. They would really get yeah. annoyed. That's why it was awesome. Yeah, and but the thing is, like, he'd go out there for like a good 15, 20 minutes and do it, and then, you know, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it's great. And then but chuck then, out. You know, at least there's not. You know, I mean, he, uh, what did he do? Um, he didn't do that with the jobbers, obviously, but that, like in a real match, like he would do that. But he would end up like you know just giving a kick and a pile driver, and then it was over. Okay. And also, in the music video was great because you see like Austin Idol and Jerry Lawler footage getting beat up by the Road Warriors, which is cool, and the fabulous ones. And the yeah, they used a lot of Memphis footage. Like they must have just come from Memphis, and that's uh, why they were using it. They must not have had much AWA uh, footage that, of them. No, that one may have been in Minneapolis. The 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 fabulous ones footage, but the other one definitely was Memphis, though the uh, the Lawler one, right? I mean. Right, and, and, and I've seen those. That was actually probably some of like the earliest fabulous ones uh, things that I've ever seen. I, we got those on those uh, generic VHS tapes that like, oh, had like okay. Hogan and Savage, and then it was just all like old Memphis footage. It's probably the first time I ever discovered Memphis wrestling in like some dollar store at the time. Yeah. Oh yes, that was an amazing, wasn't it? Was it amazing yes. that had like all that stuff, right? Yeah. Yes, that's the store. Yes. Yeah. Miss things like that. So uh, and then uh, yeah, and also they talk about uh, how Larry Zbysko talks about how he's into wrestling because he cares about money, and the the Road Warriors don't care about money. This and Paul cares about money. We just care about beating people up. So this was, <laughs> I mean, just everybody just stuck to their characters back then, and that was it. It was very it's not complicated, right? Nowadays we don't know what they're doing. They're reading these scripted promos, and you forget about it. The thing with the skip scripted promos is it's like nobody talks like that. Like yeah. me and you are sitting like, exactly. having a conversation. Yeah. yeah. It's like they're all talking like this technical, like, <laughs> you know, stuff. It's just, it's really out there and outlandish half the stuff that's going on. Do you think okay. that when, in, do you think in real life when like fucking 
Matt Riddle gets home, like kicks his boots off. He sees birds flying around. Like it's just it's stupid shit like that. But you go back to this; it's very simple. Yet it's way better than anything that's going on today. And then it ends. This is great. I don't know if you noticed this, Rick. The way this ends this interview, and you know this wasn't scripted. Hawk just goes up to Larry and rips off his AWA patch from his jacket. Did you notice that? No, I did not notice that. He just rips it up and throws it up. Like, you know that wasn't planned. He just did that. He must have been upset. He wouldn't be able to wear that to the he basketball game. Jacket. Like, hey, let's... <laughs> Poor Larry Nelson. <laughs> um, the next segment, I just remember another match coming up after the commercial break. And <laughs> two of my favorite wrestlers are in this match. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about Kevin Kelly and Larry Winters. Wait, wait, don't Kevin, they play the uh, the old uh, the uh, the uh, Nick Bockwinkle match? Correct though. Before this, oh, that's they had the right. I'm match. sorry. I'm out of I'm out of line because I wrote that somewhere else. They played the match. That's right. Yeah. I wrote that this down. Yeah, that Vern was one of your favorite wrestlers. I was going to say, Rick. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I wrote it. I wrote it down at the top when I was writing it when they were announcing it. That's right. Bockwinkle and uh, Vern and you know, I read this. Now I, I heard this. Now I was watching. I think. Uh, so the Cornette interview with Greg Gagne. Okay. It's uh, was back to the territories. Mm-hmm. Cornette said there was seventeen thousand fans in this arena for this match to see this match, and then yeah, I, don't know. I have a Just, hard time. There's like one of the things I know. He said there's an overflow of like five thousand people right in another theater to watch on. <laughs> I don't think it was this event, but I remember him saying about some of these events. I think that was the when he came out of retirement, like three years later, two three years later. Oh, okay. I think that there was people waiting around the corner. There was like thousands of people. Now, I mean, there's probably a lot of people, but I doubt thousands. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. I mean, I mean, but then again, it wasn't so easy to buy tickets then either. You had to go to the box office, and if you, and you know. <laughs> Yeah, you had to call, right? Maybe you can call on a phone, too, maybe back then. I don't even remember, because I'm trying to think of my dad bought tickets. Like, one time, he actually had to call on the phone and use his credit card. You know? Yeah, but if you didn't have a credit card, you had to go down to the box office back yeah, down to the... Yeah, yeah. And they were only yeah. open for a few hours a day. Down to the box office, yeah, and wait, yeah. And now things sell out so quick, because people jump online and enter... A lot of these companies, like, you know, whatever, Ticketmaster, whatever, probably has your credit card information. You can save it in there for t- future purchases and stuff, you know? So it's stuff Matt like that. Had, that uh, that's Oakland, uh commentating. Which was that's, nice. yes. And um, I got to tell you, like, I've watched some of this old AWA stuff where he was commentating on it, and he wasn't yeah. very good commentary. Like, yeah, I'd rather um, listen to Rod Trotterdard. Yeah. Yeah. Better as an interview and stuff. Because he, um, when he did the interviews, he was actually able to be witty, and you know he'll be able to crack a joke or whatever. But like in these interviews, he's too yeah. serious. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It really wasn't that interesting. But even at this time period, Fern looked old even then. So I mean, like, how long was he? He was bald for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, but he does is the famous Ganya sleeper. And then, oh. and then See, but nobody. Then, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up. Singapore sleeper, apparently. Right. <laughs> nobody does the sleeper anymore. That's a move you yeah. will not see ever. 
And that's kind of upsetting because it's like, you know, it's like that was move was so effective back then. And so many people used it, but like now it's just nothing. The closest thing to it would be like the uh, rare naked choke. Would be like the closest thing to a sleeper, right? When like Samoa Joe does it, right? Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Stuff like that, yeah. So we ended up having the, uh, I think that they ended up talking about it. Uh, did they end up uh, interviewing Vern after that? At the end of the show, they did, if I'm not mistaken, That's right? Okay, yeah. This also happened in, uh, as Bachwinkle's, uh, and you could see him, he's like very animated too, in this match. Yes. He was one of the greatest interview or uh, uh, managers, even in the AWA. And I read somewhere recently that Bobby was the only guy, or maybe it was Greg Gagne who said it, that Bobby was the only guy that actually filled in his uh, commitments with the AWA. Yeah, everybody else just left WWF. Them. They just kept, like five years yeah. left. They just left them. I couldn't believe it yeah. when Gagne said Jim Brunzel, who was like his best buddy, just left him high and dry to go to WWF. <laughs> Didn't give him any notice. You figured that's like one guy, like, well, I should kind of hang around. He's like, no. <laughs> he just left. I, that's what I was going to say. I was, I was like, I, I was surprised to hear him say even Brunzel did that because Brunzel seemed, always seemed like a you know straightforward dude that yeah. they must have been paying him. They must have offered him a lot of money in order to just yeah. to jump like Brunzel. that. Years ago, watching interview, and he said like the amount of money they gave him was like ridiculous back then, and he couldn't turn it down. No, that's understandable. I mean, yeah, and some of the guys that WWF brought up, I mean, they were brought up any normal looking jo- guy, like jobber, like guy or whatever you want to call him, and they just paid him outlandish money uh, from the territories. They could be like a, you know somebody that's like a regional star, and then. They'd just be like a mid-carder. They're got no offense to the guys like Blair and, and, and Brunzel, but they weren't necessarily like a gigantic team over there. They didn't make like a huge impact in WWF. I enjoyed them, but they didn't get a title on it. They didn't do more with them, actually, because they seem pretty over, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It seemed like they did a lot of jobs uh, while they were there, just, you know. But, they, but then at that time period, you got to remember that. Uh, WWF was flooded with tag teams. You guys had the Rougeos coming in like '86 as well. You know, uh, there was the Dream Team. Yeah, there was just a lot of the Santana and Martel or Martel and Zank. Uh, anyways, now your favorite match is coming up with uh, now my favorite match: Kevin Kelly and Larry Winters, the legendary Larry Winters. Yeah, took on the Long Riders. Uh, they did so. Uh, I this. Um, I thought this actually was did not the best match of the show, in my opinion. I don't know what yeah. your opinion is, but I thought it was probably the best one. I think the long Riders took this one, one, right? I like What's Larry. That? I think wrestler Larry Winters. Yeah, no, um, I thought he was good. I just remember as a kid him getting the shit kicked out of him by Larry Zbysko. And then I remember him having like an early ECW stint, like in the earliest days of ECW, like in in the early days of when his Eastern Championship wrestling, which I was like, was like random. Um, And and anyone uh, who's not familiar with Kevin Kelly, he later became very famous as Nails. Tried to kill Vince McMahon, didn't he? Tried to choke him out. He he said Vince grabbed his genitalia. If you remember that story too, do you remember that, Rick? (laughs) That part I didn't hear. That that part I didn't hear. I just heard that he. Yeah, uh, yeah. I highly doubt that for some reason. (laughs) But this was good, and this was um, 
they have. Um... Oh, here's another question. They call this yeah. an Australian rules match. Yes, that. Um, a lot of places did that. That it was an Australian tag match, uh, tag team match. Because I, I don't know if it was necessarily created in Australia. The fabulous kangaroos kind of popularized uh, tag team wrestling, and that's where the Australian uh, thing came in from. Right. It's like they'd always. Uh, I guess like it was just always referred to as an Australian tag team match. Like it was something that was done in Australia. I don't know how true it is that it was like created in Australia, but it's like it's basically a standard tag team match. It's just it was. I'm like, okay, what am I missing? Because I know I heard that term and I kind of like forgot about it until watching this. I'm like, all right. No, and I'm surprised that the AWA was actually using that term that late because uh, it's something that was really faded out at that time period. Like. I think they might be the only company that were still using that term. I don't think NWA and WWF used it. Uh, another thing that I thought was good, which is like, there's nobody pays attention to any details and to make wrestling seem realistic anymore, is how uh, Nick Bockwinkle mentions the boots of the long riders and, like, you know, should they be outlawed because they're biker boots? Right. They uh, Larry Nelson interviews them and asks them, why don't they. Wear regular gear. Yeah, yeah. Later on, they say because uh, well, the Road Warriors wear steel toe boots. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, I, to that, but uh, but this match I thought was good. I mean, you actually saw good wrestling. Like you see a gut wrench suplex. You you don't see that anymore, do you, Rick? I mean, do you see that? You that? don't really see too often now. That's when you don't see. And, um, and another heel move the, where they drop the guy's throat on the ropes was like a classic. That was a good one too, yeah. Because you never see that anymore. Like it's just certain things, like and and Vin, uh, Vern, excuse me, was very. Um, you had to have legitimate. A lot of his guys had to have legitimate wrestling credentials mm-hmm. if you wanted to be a star there. Obviously, there's certain guys like the Road Warriors. I don't know how legitimate the as far as like amateur credentials, but it's like I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> but it's like. Yeah, you just have like this whole like traditional sense in this AWA presentation that's just a lot of this is not done anymore. Even WWF at the time period was getting away from a lot of this stuff as well. Mm-hmm. This old school type type thing, like the dropping of the roach. You didn't see many people doing that at that time period. And they were no, they were the super destroyers right before this. Yeah. AWA. Yep. Because mm-hmm. they also do uh now didn't they, one of the Irwins, create the, the Superplex, supposedly? That's a... That's a... Yeah, I've heard that before. I'm not entirely certain. But, you know... I think the first person I ever saw do it was Bob Orton. If you, you yeah. know, if you saw that. Actually, the first person I think I ever saw use that move was uh, Bob Orton Jr. But then I, you know, then obviously the Dynamite Kid did it, like, right from the top rope, so... Which looked way more deadly and dangerous. So, uh, what was in between this, other than there was a promo afterwards? Uh, Larry Nelson interviewed them. Where Larry was, uh, where Larry Nelson talks to them, and that's where they're talking. About, he's asking them about the boots, and that's what they brought up uh, about the Road Warriors boots. Which, again, like little details, they they don't they don't do. Do they check the the wrestlers anymore, Rick, to see if they have anything? No, their boots and that's a problem. 
that's a that that's a problem. The only company that I ever see do that now is the NWA, and yeah. especially for like main events. Okay. And I think that that's something that like Corgan is doing just to put an emphasis on the old school, like in the presentation. Because you know these guys just come in the ring, the music stops, and then they're just like they just ring the bell if they even you know it's just. You they always check to make sure there's no weapons and stuff like that. Or overall the quarters, obviously. Larry's Abyss goes outside the ring and gonna hand it off. Stuff like that. It doesn't happen anymore. And that's a part of wrestling that's you know that was a a part that made it like look more legitimate to me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it was more fun to think about. It's like that is like I said, again it was created more sport oriented and, and uh yeah, when I was a kid, when they did all these little things, they thought everything was legitimate, you know? So I didn't question, like, oh, okay, this makes sense, as they're checking to see if they have any weapons on them, you know? Right. They're mentioning the boots, so like, gee, why should they have, you know, they shouldn't do this. You know, thing, little things like that, you know? But, but now, like, you don't, now you can see why that was so important, you yeah. know what I mean? And it seems so little to some people, people like that are watching wrestling these days. But back then, some people get bored watching this old stuff. You know what I mean? Sometimes my wife will ask me, "Why are you watching all this old stuff?" I was like, "It's funny because I put on it. WrestleMania Nine, and my wife mm-hmm. actually not complaining. She goes, "You know, I don't like it, but I can tolerate this compared to the wrestling nowadays." Yeah, my wife. I think the only thing that she'll really tolerate nowadays is like either when I put on Ring of Honor or NWA or uh, uh, New Japan. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if it's WWE, you know, she'll, she'll, she appreciated NXT for a while too because it seemed like it was more wrestling wise than all the bullshit. Yeah. But now it's, you know, it's like even that's gotten ridiculous. So, you know, she, I mean, I just remember sitting there one night and it was Okada and Osprey, and then, you know, all of a sudden the crowd was, it's the first time I'd ever seen her look up from, you know, and be like, what the hell is going on here? Because she's heard the crowd going nuts during that match, you know? Stuff like that that gets people interested. So it's like, you know, but she'll but we'll sit there and, like, watch old documentaries on, like, wrestling. Like, I'm sure we're going to watch a Savage one after this. So it's amazing to think about. It's like little things that are very important to make people that don't watch it turn their heads and say, this is better than the shit that's on going on today. Yeah. And then the main event, I think, uh, that, that, that this was a great main event. This is a, this is a, a very good main event for the time. Cause you don't usually see a match of this caliber back then, you know, two stars like this on free TV, you know, uh, my favorite part of this match was when the Martel, the guys... Rick Martel, it's, it's yeah. champion Rick Martel, Versus uh, Freebird Terry Gordy. Yeah, and then the cable goes out while he's got him in a headlock. Did yes. you notice this on this, on this particular? Yeah, if you want to watch this on YouTube, you have to search AWA 9385. And yeah. uh, you'll watch it. And during this match, someone's uh, had an issue with their VHS tape. Uh, <laughs> we yep. can scramble for a little while. But, but not for too long. But the thing with this is like you didn't get to see a lot of like world championship matches on television at this time period. And, yeah, that's the big deal. The time. And Terry yeah. Gordy was one of the best wrestlers at the time too. So it was, yeah. 
And this was actually, do you see how technical Terry Gordy is in this match? It's not necessarily going out there like a gigantic brawl. Like, you know, he would be like when the Freebirds were saying like world-class or whatever. This well, is actually the very, way they very set this up where they had Michael Hayes and Buddy Roberts go to the back. So it's just a straight right. wrestling match, you know, and right. I sure you agree with me, Rick. I think Rick Martel is one of the most underrated wrestlers, like Absolutely. most underappreciated wrestlers. I think we've talked about that before. It's just that, you know, his WWF career was a little bit way different than this. Like, he was very underrated as a world champion in the AWA. They were, I think they were trying to put it on a, a solid baby face. But, I mean, look who had been holding the title. Vern Gagne held it for, like, 50 years or whatever. And Nick Bockwinkle held it for how long? It's like you had, like, these older gentlemen yeah, this that... This was Nick Bockwinkle's idea to have Rick Martel. He's the one who push for him to right. be the champion. Right. And he, um, I think that Bachwinkle beat him for the title. Is that correct? A little bit later on? I'm trying to think. And they wrestled with Jumbo Saruda. I'm trying to think of all the, the matches at the time, probably. Yeah, I'm thinking that it was. And it wasn't the final. It wasn't Wrestle Rock, was it? For 86 or no? Am I, am I mistaken? I don't remember exactly. He was gone. Yeah. He was gone that far. That all right. I'm trying. I'm trying to remember when he went back to WWF. So I, I, I know it was. A, he was definitely in there. And then Hanson. That's right. I'm sorry. We can listen uh, yeah, to Hanson. No, well, it gets confusing. Yeah, it does. I can't even believe I forgot it because now I remember. Now I remember he lost it to Hanson, yeah. and Hanson refused to do the job. Uh, I think for yeah, Bachwinkle, okay. right? Yeah. And then, yeah, that's right. It, all right, I just totally got confused and got the whole story wrong, but. That's all right. But this is actually a very good match. And I think that Rick Martel, on top of, like you said, being one of the most underrated wrestlers ever, he's got one of the most underrated drop kicks as well, if you see the way he delivers it in this match. I think this match is great the way it ends. And this is another thing you don't see baby faces like this anymore. Because he's a small, I mean, he's not small compared to Terry Gorey. Terry Gorey is huge. Right. He does this. A whole flurry of drop kicks. It wasn't just one drop kick. He does a bunch in a right. row. So, like, okay, this is realistic where this guy that's smaller than him does a bunch to knock him off his feet, you know? Right. Yep. He, he just has, like, a really like great move set. And it doesn't seem to really go for that long, maybe 10 minutes or whatever, but he still seemed like it was just like they had this, like, brutal match. It was very, it was very even. And it was very even, yep. then it ended with the drop kicks and the suplex, and then right when he went to pin him, this is another thing, you don't see as much, and then just the time limit expired. Yeah. Well, they were also, like, I was, did you watch the post-match interviews? Yeah, oh, see, now this is the thing. I think it's missing, because now they said uh, Michael Hayes and Buddy Roberts came in after that and attacked, correct? Is that what you're saying? What yeah, you're say? because I, I was confused, because I'm just like, I just watched them. That's okay. what I think happens. Okay, because I was like, I was very confused with that, and I was like, I don't recall seeing that. It either got cut out, or you know, I think AWA it, just I, didn't show. I think that was like the setup to have in the back to have a match, and then then right. once the match was officially over, then they came to beat the crap out of Martel, you know, because then Martel gotcha. mentioned that. Yeah, that's I just had to put two and two together for that. And Martel cuts a pretty good promo at the end. I mean, surprisingly, because he's got such a heavy accent. They didn't, yeah. 
he didn't get to talk a lot while he was in WWF, but here, you know, AWA didn't care. And, he, you know, it's actually a pretty decent promo. It's just the accent's a little thick to, 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 yeah. to find your way through. But it's good. And then you have uh, Larry Nelson talking to Vern Gagne. My favorite. <laughs> Vern, just a personality Gagne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you just the two hours uncalled for the free birds to come out and, uh, you know, attack Martel. He brings right. that up. So they talk about basically maybe another match coming up or something to that effect yeah. is what they've hinted yeah. at. I don't know if it ever happened or not, but yeah. we'll have to look that up and uh, discuss that in the future. Yeah. Look and see uh, what other episodes after this, one of it's available. But I thought this was oh, yeah. really just a, a solid, you know, episode. I thought it was really good because, you know, at that time period, I was not 100% familiar with the AWA. It wasn't until later, and then, you know, I, I grew up and then went backwards and watched a bunch of AWA and stuff like that, and then whatever the current product was at the time. So going back to this, it's, it was just really fun, and this is, excuse me, this was what really, like, a really good wrestling program should be. It was yeah. presented very well. And at this time period, you know, WWF was expanding and cherry-picking all the freaking biggest names out of the territory. And this is probably maybe the final great year of the AWA, maybe. They might have yeah. another year left that where they start losing all the big stars. Yeah, 86, maybe, right? Still pretty good in 86. And then you could kind of tell little by little it was, like, slowly they're right. losing people, you know? I mean, I think that, it, you know, 87 and 88 still has some pretty good stuff in it. Even 89, even though it's like, I think you can definitely see the writing on the wall in 1989, but they managed to last almost another two years. You can definitely see the writing. But I think 88 was, you know, ends up being, you go back and you there's certain guys that you just don't remember being in the AWA. or certain guys that you just forgot about growing up watching you know earthquake ferris is one of the guys that i came across today i mean do you remember him at all yes i do forgot all about him, but. <laughs> apparently he got a big push for a little while according to the article i read of course but that could be any you know that doesn't mean much all right john is there anything that you would like to plug no, I do have one because all my other figures are getting graded now because I know you were talking about the figures. I do have one set oh, wow. just to show you, just so people. Now, is that, are, a, is that a pin up there in the right corner? This is like a little, it's like a little plastic. They, they okay. call it AWA souvenir is what they call it. But yeah, it's okay. a little tiny, it's like a little right. plastic cliff. It's not even a real pin. It's got a little clip that you have to put into like a pocket or something. All right. Strange. Yeah. I should have one of those for my work shirt or something. <laughs> yeah. Show up in the office with that. The other thing <laughs> to plug is just uh, a friend of mine uh, started a group on Facebook called uh, Title on the Line. Um, it's just all about great uh, title matches and professional wrestling just every tag team, you know, world title, what have you. Uh, if you want to check that out, that's about it. I've been there before. I've posted some stuff in there that uh, random things that I've, uh, you know, was watching and stuff. And it's, and, and it's a really fun group. You totally forgot about it. You're like, oh, I never even knew this match happened, you know. Right. 
All right. Well, I guess that's it. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We got more coming up later in the week. Have fun, everybody.